This is Reflections on Investing with the Cornell Capital Group, Episode 48, U.S. Tech Stocks, The Big Get Bigger. Hello, and welcome to Reflections on Investing with the Cornell Capital Group. This is Sean Cornell, and I'll be joined shortly by Professor Bradford Cornell and Andrew Cornell. And today we want to talk a little bit about market concentration. It's something that we mentioned in our most recent quarterly memo back in April, where we noticed that the market was becoming dominated by just a handful of stocks. And that trend has continued, and now we find the market is even more concentrated. So let me uh, show you the stocks that we are talking about here. And they're all large U.S. tech firms. So we have Apple uh, leading off, uh, which has a market cap of around $2.7 trillion, which actually eclipses the entire UK stock market right now. And then Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, and Meta, which I'm sure you're all familiar with these companies. In fact, Sean, if you add them up, you're looking at almost $9 trillion in six companies. Which is quite remarkable, to say the least. So this next chart, we can see the, uh, the concentration, the fraction of these six companies in total as a percentage of the S&P 500 in uh, blue and the percentage of the NASDAQ index in red. And this is over the last 10 years. And you can see it's been trending up, but especially over the last few months, we've seen a sharp, a dramatic increase in this concentration. So what would you say is, is the implication here? I mean, you've noticed this trend, so what, is, what does that mean? Is that, is that a problem? That's a good question, Drew. I mean, it could be. Uh, because if there were something that threatened these companies, it could have a dramatic effect on the entire market. It does. And the fact that all these companies are in the same sector, they're all technology companies. Uh, and furthermore, if you're a, you know, a market, if you're a passive investor, you're just investing in the S&P 500, you, know, you might be a lot less diversified than you may think. Well, when we look at this, Sean, and we see that they account for 26% of the S&P and almost 50% of the NASDAQ, you say, well, these are remarkable companies. These are wonderful companies. They make great products. They have impressive barriers to entry in some cases. Why shouldn't they be valuable? Well, that's all true, but the question is how valuable? Remember, investing amounts to comparing price and value. And at some point, no matter how good the company is, the price may exceed its value. And given how important these companies have become, there's a threat that we may be entering that space. And we can talk more about that in a minute when we look at the upcoming slides. Yeah, and this is kind of another way to look at it. This is a uh, this is just over the last three months, kind of when we started seeing that sharp increase in the level of concentration, but we have in the blue, the S&P 500, and the S&P 500 to review is a market cap 
weighted index. So the, these big companies like your Apples and Microsofts are going to be more heavily weighted. And then versus the, this is the S&P 500 if you just weight every company equally. And we can see there's been a, a pretty big divergence where the S&P 500, which has more weight for these bigger companies, is signif significantly outperforming the, uh, the equal weighted version. In fact, the equal weighted version is actually down over the period, even though the index is up. So the, the, the big boys have been pulling up the index while the little guys have actually been falling. Yeah. And again, to your point about you know, these being, they are remarkable companies. They're, but at, there's, at a certain price, you know, they're not, these companies are not infallible. They, you know, they're not immune to competition. Another thing you can take away from this chart is that it, it's not consistent with the so-called small firm effect, in which there's been much research in academia showing that firms with uh, small market capitalizations tend to have higher returns than those with big market capitalizations. While that may have been true some time ago, it hasn't been true in recent years and is clearly not true in this short time period. That's a good point. So this is actually a chart from our quarterly memo, which we updated, which shows the the, just the top five companies in the S&P 500 by their market capitalization over a few uh, key years. We started off in the uh, right around the tech bubble at the beginning of 2000. And then in 2001, after that had started to deflate again in 2010 and then 2020 and now the current. And I think, Sean, when you look at this, I mean, one thing that grabs me immediately is compare uh, January 1, 2010 with the current. And yeah. you see two dramatic differences. The first is the companies are different. I mean, Apple and Microsoft make it in both, but those are the only two. And secondly, the top company in 2010 was ExxonMobil with a $324 billion market cap and a 3.26% weight. Jump forward to the current, Apple has a market cap of $2.74 which is over eight times as much as Exxon, the leader, had in 2010, and its weight has more than, well more than doubled, and the weight of the top five has well more than doubled. So we're looking at a very different market than we saw as recently as 2010. Uh, yeah, you know, in looking at... Uh at the market at the height of the bubble in 2000, you can see Microsoft was was the most valuable company. And to some extent, you know, it's interesting that the speculators were were right in that, you know, Microsoft would become one of the most valuable companies in the world again in, you know, in 2022. But uh, you know, you're just looking at two two points in time. In fact, if if you bought Microsoft uh, January first, two thousand, your return would be zero for roughly seventeen years. And had you bought Cisco, you're still down to this day. Cisco never achieved a, a return, uh, or excuse me, never got any higher than it did in in early two thousand. 
And, uh, you know, looking at the present day, we see, you know, NVIDIA just, just recently has, uh, was, was down more than 70% and has come all the way back to, to its no, you know, November 21 high. So, you know, there's still a lot of volatility and a lot of uncertainty amongst these high market cap companies. And it's, it's not just true of the S&P 500, which we're looking at here, but research affiliates looks at this on a global basis. And this is taken from their research. These are the top 10 companies in the world in the beginning of 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, and when they published their research in 2021. And you notice these monstrous changes, not only in the individual companies, but in the nature of the industries. 1980 was traditional companies like IBM and AT&T, and particularly oil companies. Eastman Kodak, bankrupt now, was the leading tech company. 1990, it's Japan. 2000, American tech pops on, including Cisco, which Drew talked about, and is not back to that level yet. 2010, we see China appear and become a dominant player. And now in 2023 and in 2021, suddenly it's American tech. So how can we be convinced if we bought big American tech that in 2030 it wouldn't look a lot different? Uh, what would you say to that, Sean? Yes, that's true. And that's an important point is that they're all American companies too. I mean, we've seen things changed dramatically. Obviously, in the 1990s, they were all Japanese companies. And just one interesting thing to note, um, it's kind of similar to what Drew was talking about with Microsoft and Cisco. These Japanese companies, uh, the Japanese stock market has not uh, gotten back to the level it was back in 1990, over 33 years ago. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard to, maybe it's hard to imagine once when you're, when you're kind of in the middle of it, but things could change. All these companies, they're Apples and Microsofts, they're fantastic, huge companies, but they're not immune to competition. You know, we're also seeing, you know, developments in China. Who knows what the future will look like in 2030? But these companies all seem to be priced like they will continue not to be dominant right now, but well into the future. Yeah, in fact, Sean, we, as you know, we here at Cornell Capital Group have the long-term 70-year discounted cash flow models. And to justify the current price of, let's say, Apple, the company has to be dominant not just now or not just through 2030, but beyond 2050. And when we look at this chart uh, from research affiliates, or we look at our previous chart, these 30, 40 year periods of dominance do seem to be the exception rather than the rule. And that makes you concerned of, uh, if you were an investor in these companies, that if they do start to lose this dominant position, valuation could drop substantially. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's exactly why we stress long-term fundamental valuation models in assessing investments and making investment decisions. 
you're yeah, looking, Sean, at companies that are as, as big and valuable as Apple or Microsoft, often they move with current earnings announcements. To us, that seems quite silly. It's not the current earnings that give you multi-trillion dollar valuations. It's the ability to maintain those earnings for decades. That's the critical question. Absolutely. As always, please feel free to reach out to us or visit our website at www.cornell-capital.com. Thank you. For more information, please visit www.cornell-capital.com. This podcast is being made available for educational purposes only and should not be used for any other purpose. The information contained herein does not constitute and should not be construed as an offering of advisory services or an offer to sell or solicitation to buy any securities or related financial instruments in any jurisdiction.